Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for all these beautiful children that you have that have come here to fellowship together, to worship. Thank you, Lord, that they have been obedient to your command not to forsake the assembling of themselves together. It's so important that we meet together and serve together and grow together in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So thank you, Lord, for all those that are here, all those who wanted to be but couldn't, and thank you for all those that will hear all over the world. I want you to know that I am with you, and those of you in Russia, I have seen you listening, and I and I am praying for you. Those in Japan, and those in the UK, and those in various countries of South America, I just want you to know that I see that. It shows up for me, and I see that, and I pray for you, and I love you. And in Columbus, Ohio, whoever you are, God bless you. You are faithful, and God is answering your prayers. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Knowing God is a great privilege. And it is an exciting, powerful adventure in this life. In this life. And that's what we are trying to help people to understand, to grow in, to know. So they don't just think that it's uh, case, sarah, sarah, whatever will be, will be, and as long as I get the fire insurance before I leave planet Earth, I'm okay. That is just so, so far below our inheritance. Amen. Amen. Last week we ministered on, first of all, just being born again, like Jesus commanded and or said that it was a necessity in John 3.3. 3. And then we ministered the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We saw the importance and the, the need for that. To walk in the power and victory and authority. And to help us to accomplish all the things that God has for us to do and to be. And I want to go a little bit further. Uh, John chapter 17 verse 3 Jesus on that faithful night was he gave us a definition of eternal life he actually gave it to the father in a prayer <laughs> it seemed odd to me and I asked him about it he said it wasn't for him silly it was for you and for them the disciples that were listening because he was asking they have eternal life and he says and this is eternal life that they know you the one true God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's the meaning of eternal life. So all of you who, uh, anybody old enough to spend your 60s uh, chasing around the world trying to find yourself and uh, the meaning of life, you, just, you could have just turned to John chapter 17 and just looked at verse 3 and there he is, right there. <laughs> Once the spirit man, or the spirit of man, is resurrected, and that's what happens when you are saved and born again, 
God has a beautiful plan, and it's all based upon His amazing love for us. Amen? We've established the fact that that foundational doctrine of the love of God for you, that unconditional, inescapable love, that nothing you can do about it kind of love, the unconditional love that He has for you is foundational. It's imperative that you understand that. Otherwise, you'll never be able to give away what you have not received from God. Amen. And we're called to love, aren't we? His way, not our way. I'm talking about the kind of love that hangs you on a cross and has people spit on you and hurt you and kill you and you ask for forgiveness for them and still love them. This is not normal, folks. (laughs) But we are not normal people. And we should live such a life, you and I, that it deserves or requires a supernatural explanation. Amen. Amen. Or oh me. First Thessalonians five twenty three. We're going to go there today. Something I touch on a lot. But I'm going to add something a lot to it today. If you will bear with me and pray for me that I find these scriptures quickly because I I was with the Lord last night. I didn't have time to write down all the scriptures, so I'm going to be looking them up quickly and just pray that my fingers work. First hmm. Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's praying a prayer, Paul is, that God would sanctify us. That means to set us apart unto himself and make us holy. And may our whole spirit, this is showing that we are triune beings, just like our triune God, spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says that those of us who are joined with God are one with God in spirit. I'm going to look it up just to make sure that uh, I'm saying it like he says it. <laughs> Pretty sure I know that one. 1 Corinthians six seventeen. But he who is joined to the Lord, raise your hand if you're joined to the Lord, <laughs> becomes one spirit with him. Amen. Understand that God is a spirit. Amen. All right. So man's spirit can't live outside of union with God. That's why when they ate of the fruit, which was most likely not an apple, but I'm not trying to hurt anyone's. 
idea of what it was. It doesn't matter. It was a fruit that they weren't supposed to eat, and they did. Because they believed the lies of the devil. He said, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Well, Adam lived for 930 years, so what happened? He did die that moment, that day, didn't he? Spiritually. So that's what I mean when I say man's spirit, which is who we really are. We are a spirit with a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions riding around in a body. But the man's, the spirit of man can't live outside of union with God. So when they broke that union with God, they died. Although they physically lived on for hundreds of years. Okay. So, our spirit, the spirit man in us, is God conscious. We can't discern our spirit with our natural senses, though. That brings us to the soulish realm. It is self-conscious. And then we have our body, which is world-conscious. We use, by our senses, uh, the body relates to the world around us. Amen. Spirit, soul, and body. So... When the spirit is reunited by being born again with God, it becomes a lamp, a light, filled, or a candle. Some, some translations describe it as filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament and all through the Bible, olive oil is always used as a type of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And it illuminates the nature of man. It shows us who we are. So look at Proverbs uh, 20, verse 27. Oh, this is... I've been asking people to pray for me that this would be delivered in a way that you understand and that you make your own because it will help you. Amen. That's what it's all designed to do. And that's what God wants to do, is help us all. Amen. The spirit of man, Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. You see that? Searching all his innermost parts. We are no longer in darkness. Our born-again spirit becomes a channel through which the Holy Spirit of God can flow out into this world. Are you with me? Turn to the book of the Gospel of John. You don't have to be turning to these. If you just want to listen, you can just jot them down or just go back and listen. Whatever your best method is. But we're going places here today. Amen. John chapter 7. And I want to read the 38th and 39th verse to you. This is something very beautiful, and it's made quite an impression in my life. John seven thirty-seven, no, 38 and 39. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair and her head. Now the Pharisees, oh boy, I'm in the wrong place. That's Luke. I was looking for John. I can read it to you. I can I can read it without turning to it. That's why I know that's the wrong place. 
but I want to turn to it so you know I'm reading out of my Bible and not just making things up. It's better if I just tell you what it says. John's, and plus it'll come out and text it and you'll understand it better. John 7, 38 and 39 says, Whosoever believes in me, this is red letters in some of your Bibles, Jesus talking, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, capital S, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Well, later on this did happen, right? On the day of Pentecost, 50 days after his resurrection. He was here on the earth for 40, ascended, and 10 days later, that's when the promise of the Father came. And... The, the day of Pentecost, and that's when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So we discussed this last week. So through being born again, we experience an amazing transformation from being dry and thirsty. You see how he describes it here? Whoever believes in me, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So we start out with someone thirsty... But we experience an amazing transformation from being dry and thirsty without even enough for ourselves to being a channel through which the life-giving waters can flow out to a needy world around them. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So never tell God... You've done enough, Lord. I don't need any more. I don't want that prosperity message. I'm, I'm fine. I have enough. You know how self-righteous that is? You know how soulish that is? You know why? Because it implies that you think it's all just for you. You are blessed to be a blessing. Yes, you will be blessed more than you can possibly know. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. I've been poor, and I've been wealthy without God, and uh, I wasn't happy. It didn't bring about the things that I thought it would. There was a lot of sorrow that came with it. Amen. I'd much rather do it His way. Because when we come into a real biblical understanding of prosperity, we understand that money is just one of the tools in that bag. You see, really not much to do with it. I want to prosper in every area of my life. Don't you? All right. Well, He wants to make you rich. He wants to prosper you. And cause you to be in good health. That's his will. He wishes that above all things. Even as your soul prospers. So let's continue to talk about that. Because that's what we're really trying to talk about today. Is the soul. Amen. Jeremiah 17.7 even says. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water. That sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear. When heat comes. Its leaves 
are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Now, isn't that sound peaceful? That's what God's plan for His children is. Amen. Let's see how to get there. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. I did write down some of them. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we inspired in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. So see, it's not about you. So don't ever ask God to turn it off. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Here's the number for grace. Now, all right. Blessed to be a blessing. Now, are you going to tell God to t- just, you, had it, you got it now? All right. And why? Because you call to help build the kingdom of God. Amen. And the sprinkler always stays wet. So don't reject that either. He loves you too. Amen. So what part does the regenerated spirit play within us? First of all, the spirit of man, when it's renewed... I always say there's there's three main things. Worship, fellowship, and revelation. John 4.23 and 4.24. Since I'm right there, I'll read that. John 4.23 and 4.24 says, But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers, I quote this often, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. Do you realize that? He's seeking worshipers. God is spirit. You hear me quote this almost every week, right? And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. While praise is an act of of the soul. Okay? But worship is from the spirit. In the immediate it's something that happens in the right in the throne room, in the immediate presence of God. And and God is looking for those who long for intimacy with him, a personal intimate relationship that come to him and seek him and and are found when he seeks them and he is jealous for you. I heard uh, oh, uh, her name starts with a no. I'm not going to say it. But she began her own religion. Started out as a Christian. Supposedly. But now this universalism thing, this demonic cultish Heresy has taken hold and this person has a huge platform and I pray that she comes to know the Lord Jesus again. But there's this scripture that says that God was jealous for her said one turned her off. What would God be jealous of me for? That's what she said. (laughs) 
He's jealous for you. He loves you. He wants you to forsake all other false gods because they harm you. They're out to kill you. And He loves you. He created you for Himself. He adores you. So don't misunderstand the fact that He's jealous for you. It's a good thing. He loves you and He created you to be in close relationship with Him. So worship is the natural response of man's spirit to just for being reunited or being united with God and knowing Him. It's a, it's a, it's a joyful gratitude and thankfulness and genuine love that He found a way back for us to Him. Through the Spirit, we also have fellowship with God. Sharing in God's own secrets. How cool is that? Jeremiah 29, he talks about he he wants to, you know, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. He says, then you'll, you'll come and you'll pray to me and you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And then I'll show you wonderful things that you didn't know. He wants to show you His secrets. He, he, he's got things hidden for you, not from you. Amen. Amen. Praying in tongues is one of the ways to get into this secret place. Quickly. 1 Corinthians 14.2 1 Corinthians 14.2 uh, Quickly I found that. Look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Look at that. You see that? Amen. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Our Spirit, when we're praying in the Spirit, is not speaking to man, but speaking to God. And His Spirit... The regenerated man is speaking mysteries to God, with God, regarding God. How, how beautiful a thing is that? A person never shares his secrets with his enemies, right? But only with his closest friends. So this is a beautiful picture of our intimate relationship and our friendship with God Himself. Oh, how He loves us. If we could only believe that. And then the revelation that I talked about. To, to receive revelation from God is uh, uh, a wonderful thing. And 1 Corinthians, since we're in there already, go back to the second chapter. And uh, ninth verse. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Continue on all the way to through the 12th verse. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Capital S. Through the Holy Spirit. He has revealed. So verse says, nobody can understand 
No eye has seen, no, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined. So this is, people use these scriptures to say nobody can even fathom the things of God. So what Paul said. He says these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. The Spirit <coughs> searches everything, even the depths of God. For, for, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. But we're talk, what he's talking about in context is the Holy Spirit communing with our spirit. Hello. Everything checking off so far? Okay. So I started out in First Thessalonians five twenty three, and it says, "As God, Paul prayed that God would sanctify us, holy, spirit, soul, and body. Sanctification, which means that we are set apart to God, and that we are being made holy. This was made possible, by the way, through Jesus Christ." And his perfect sacrifice on the cross on our behalf. So how sad it is to see all these artists and rock stars and late night television talk show hosts and politicians and all these things with the devil horns and the upside down cross and the ring on their finger. If you've got a Masonic ring on your finger, you just throw in that trash can over there. It's all designed to worship the devil in the end. Oh, but Grandpa was a 32nd degree Mason. He wasn't bad. He went to church. Yeah, he may not even have been aware what he's a part of. They only invite the, those who they're sure are going to go straight into pure devil worshiping into that 33rd level. It's a terrible, terrible thing, folks. Terrible. Did not know that one time myself. I might have even considered joining. My uncle was one. He, I guarantee you, he had no idea what I'm talking about. There are, there's a war going on, folks. Opposing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He needs believers who are strong as horseradish to know him, to love him, this revelation knowledge, this wisdom, this relationship with God that I'm talking about, it is so important these days. There is so much deception out there. One of the number one things that people are afraid of when they come to church is is it the right teaching? Am I going to be deceived? Or deceived again. How sad is that? This end times church. Is going to be a beautifully adorned. And powerful. And loving bride of Christ. And people are going to know. When you walk in the room. Who you are. And you don't have to be afraid of any of that nonsense by the way. 
I don't care. There ain't big demons and little demons and more powerful demons and you got to fly over the city and rebuke them. Nonsense. You just walk in with your authority in the name of Jesus Christ knowing that you are loved by God and use your authority in His name and you can rebuke any negative thing the devil tries to pull on you or anyone you love. You have been given authority over all the works of the devil. Not the devil himself because he's in charge of this world. Just look around and you can see that if you just start to open your eyes. Uh, thinking of that movie, Eyes Wide Shut. The whole thing's based on what I was just talking about. And all those people that rise to the top, they're not the cream of the crop. They're part of a society. tip of the iceberg, folks. This is not my home. My home is in heaven. I'm an ambassador in this earth for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The only way to the Father. Hebrews 10.14 For by a single offering He, Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's why I said we are set apart and being made holy. Because in Hebrews 10.14 it says For by a single sacrifice He, Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Just set apart and becoming holy. What does that mean? That means this is a righteous mirror and so look, we look in the mirror to see the outer self. We look into this mirror to see the inner man. Amen? Amen. Okay, this is the righteous mirror. So, and as we agree with God and we come into the grace and knowledge, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ himself. That doesn't mean physically we're going to look like Him. It means that we are a spirit with a soul, and that soulish realm has not been renewed yet. It is being saved. You understand? Your new spirit man is totally in agreement with God. Always praising God. Always full of the love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control of God Himself. Full-blown, full-grown fruit. But not outwardly yet. It only does that as you come into agreement with the Spirit of God. Well, let me not get ahead of myself. You still with me? Do I still have a little time to finish? I know I got a little off track. I didn't mean to scare anyone. God's trying to protect you. The best way for you to, to be protected from the wiles of your enemy is to understand their tactics. Amen. Okay? That's all. God loves you and he doesn't... Everything is just not to scare you but to prepare you. Most of us as Christians, as believers, we just don't have a clue of who we are, what we have in him. Just wish that each one of us, just like 
just like Elisha when when they when he stepped out of that tent that morning and his servant was terrified because they were surrounded by a huge army that was there to kill them. And Elijah was like, you know, I think he just went and got him a cup of coffee. To, uh, Lord, show this boy. <laughs> he said, open his eyes was the prayer, you know. And he let, I, it doesn't, I, I'm not convinced that Elisha was ever even let to see it. Because he didn't need to. You know, more blessed is he who believes and has not seen. I don't think he had to see. He knew it was there. He knew God was there and the armies of God. And when that boy saw it, his servant saw it, he was like, Whoa! <laughs> Way more force than against us. And they're stronger and more powerful and I'm not scared anymore. That's how you should be all the time. Just know that they're there. There are angels all in this room. Meet my bookends. They're here to serve us. They love us. We don't have to address them and we don't worship them. They answer to God and they respond to the word of God when you speak it in faith. When you command blessings, the promises of God. When you command anything that has a name, COVID or cancer or cold, leave me in the name of Jesus, I command you, you can't stay. You are not trying to gain the victory. You're protecting the victory that's already been obtained on your behalf. You are already healed by Jesus' stripes. You were healed. Now you're just, it's like a fly or a mosquito or a spider, girls, trying to get on you. Would you react? Come out of the car with that thing. That's what you need to do when when the devil tries to come against you. (laughs) If you would just see it that way. If you just see it clearly in the spirit as you do in the flesh. A lot more would get accomplished and you'd be in a better state. God has a divine order when we allow him to have his perfect will. Authority comes down from God, from the Holy Spirit, to man's spirit, from man's spirit to man's soul. That's our personality, our mind, our will and emotions. From our soul to our body. So it has to transfer through that route, you see? And sometimes we have a blockade disallowing it. We want to remove all those blockades. Amen? Amen. And let that river flow. Many don't understand the relationship between the spirit and the soul. But I'll tell you this. Whenever you have a problem in this life, it's always from your soulless realm. The soul is self-centered. Hello. I will. I won't. I I won't. I I I I want I like this. I don't like that. You see? I need this. It's always the soul. And if the soul says I won't, when God says you should, then this is rebellion, you see. 
and the root cause of all human problems. Mm -hmm. The soul is the place of ongoing temptation. There was a principle or a tendency of disobedience in the soul of unregenerate man. Where temptation has had its source from within, you see. Because after we fell, it was always within us. Always there in that corrupted seed. So, so now, he would respond to the temptation from the inside. He would respond to that which was tempting him from the outside. So temptation always occurs in the area of the soul. Why is it so important that we need to know this? Because you can't, your, your spirit is perfect and holy and set apart already unto God. The soulish realm is what Paul begged us, beseeched us in Romans 12, 1 and 2 to renew our minds according to the word of God, to become a living sacrifice, not to be conformed to this world, you see? The mind, the will, the emotions, the human personality. So the soul is the battleground. Did Joyce Meyer, I think, had that book out a decade ago or whatever. The battlefield of the mind, remember? That's what, that's what this is talking about. So the battleground of the soul is open to all sorts of spiritual forces that are raging and, and coming against you. Now listen again, this is not to scare God's people, but to help them. How to prepare them? Because when you see that you are going to have these things, we all have struggles and, and, and attacks and problems and situations, right? So when you're aware of that, it'll help you not to feel condemned when you find yourself in a battle. Because like I said, we all do. What you need to do is to understand the nature of the battle and God's provision for victory because safety and security are found in maintaining the God-appointed relationship. The soul being in subjection to the spirit of man and the spirit of man being in subjection to the spirit of God. So there may be pressure, there may be temptation, but you always have safety and victory when you are lined up with God. And he'll never let you be tempted beyond what you can endure. He'll always give you an exit strategy. Amen. But if the soul, your thought life, your mind, your will, your emotions returns to self-will and rebellion, then it's exposed to sin and to Satan and he will come in and eat your lunch and pop the bag. <laughs> There's two words I want to define for you. I don't normally go into the Hebrew and the Greek and all that, but sometimes I heard a Hebrew song I loved very much recently, so it got me to thinking about the original text. There are two words that you need to be aware of in the New, new Covenant, in the original Greek. Very important, I think. One is pneumaticos, spiritual. Translates spiritual from the word pneuma, 
which is spirit in the Greek. When I worked in the courthouse in Galveston County, we had a pneumatic tube. Whenever I would prepare documents, I would do a subpoenas or something like that, and I would just put it in the pneumatic tube, stick it in there, and suck it up, and shoot it all the way across the parking lot to the sheriff's office, you see? Based on the spirit, the wind, you see? Breath. So, pneumaticos is spiritual, and then there's one called psuchikos, which is soulish. You need to get this. The word for soulish, or psuchikos, is translated several different ways in the Bible. This, to me, is not good in for a couple of reasons. Well, let me just tell you some of the translations that you may recognize. Natural carnal, sensual, worldly. Those are some of the translations for psuchikos or soulish in in the Bible. The problem is that it's not great because it keeps people from understanding their spiritual makeup of spirit, soul, and body and they can't see that the same word is being used in various places and it's always pointing to the same problem in the soulish realm, you see? Otherwise, they would start to try to work on the soul and try to understand the difference in spirit, soul, and body. That's why I tell you that when you want to begin learning or growing in God, first of all, the love of God is imperative for you to understand. Second of all, the understanding of spirit, soul, and body. Because if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, you'll never understand how God can really love someone like you. Because he doesn't see you after the flesh or after your soulish realm. He sees you after the spirit. Amen. Because he is a spirit. Okay. Okay. So, I want to give you just three examples and I'm going to close. Because I think you got a lot to chew on. Y'all are all looking at me like I'm going to look up some of this stuff. And I'm going to find out if that's right. And I pray that you do. Because if there, I ever preach anything other than the truth of God's word, I want to know it. I'll be the first one to step down from the pulpit and repent. Amen? Amen. Because all I want is God's truth. And I want his children to grow in the grace and knowledge of him. And I want them to be prepared to be a part of this end times bride. Amen? Amen. And I want them to be so helped healed everywhere they hurt, empowered by His promises and His truth, and loved by Him, and prosper in every way that they go and help others with that same help they've received. Amen? Amen. It's as simple as that. Jude 19. Why did I say Jude 19? Somebody tell me quickly. Only one chapter in the whole book. What a power-packed thing, huh? Jude 19, verse 19 of Jude says, It is these who cause divisions. Worldly people devoid of the Spirit. Where he says worldly there, it's soulish or psuchikos. Okay? The soul not submitted to the spirit is unprotected and susceptible to demonic influences. 
Jude, so then James, chapter 3, I'll show you just this one and one more in the book of James, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. find it. (laughs) Tell me when I find it. (laughs) Well, there's Revelation. I know it's before that. (laughs) Better be. (laughs) Otherwise, I've added something to the book. We don't want to do that. Who has James chapter 3, verse 14 and 15? All right, let's go then. Here we go. James chapter 3, verse 14 says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, where it says earthly there, or natural, that's soulish, demonic. So it's earthly or natural and soulish, unspiritual, demonic. Okay? Tsukikos. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. For the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So there's two kinds of wisdom implied here. There's a good wisdom that we all want and should seek after. We pray for wisdom from God and He gives generously, right? But the way that that operates is it comes from the Holy Spirit of God to man's spirit and... It is divine. It is good. That's godly wisdom. And then there's a bad kind where man's soul is not in submission to man's spirit. And this is a choice, folks. How many of you know that Christians, once they're born again, they don't they no longer have the corrupted sin nature. We're not we don't have a dual nature anymore. We have been redeemed from that curse of the law of sin and death. And Jesus, the, the mind of Christ has come and taken up residence in us. But we still have the ability. So nothing compelling us to sin anymore. Can't say the devil made me do it. But we still have the ability to sin with the best of them, don't we? It's a choice. So we can disconnect We can walk after the Spirit. If you're born again, you're already in the Spirit. You can walk after the Spirit on that narrow path. I I think of the picture of Thomas Kincaid in my living room. I stare into that narrow path all the time and I see the broad highway of the ocean out there, you see. It's a choice. We can waltz across Texas back and forth with God, without God, go to church, leave Him there. Anytime we want, we think. Okay, so there's a a bad kind of wisdom when man's soul is not in submission to man's spirit. And so then that's what's called earthly, soulish, demonic. 
see the downward progression? You start out by being just this worldly, earthly, and then you, it comes into your soulish realm and where you make your decisions and your thought process goes on, and then that's where you entertain the sin until it becomes a full-blown action and it becomes demonic, you see? And if you entertain it long enough, you can get a stronghold in there and they will take up residence and then you need deliverance, either through the word over time or instantly by someone who knows who they are in Christ and can help deliver you on the spot. Amen. When we live out of our soulish realm, our mind, our will, our emotions, and it's unsubmitted to our spirit in union with God's Holy Spirit, then we're subjected to demonic influences. And the kind of wisdom that results is not pure, not holy, but evil. 1 Corinthians 2, and I'm closing right here. 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 12. Are y'all getting anything out of this today? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Okay. Sometimes when people are just listening intently, I think they're just thinking about lunch, but they're really listening. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, thank God, but the spirit, capital S, That's the Holy Spirit who is from God. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. Hello. For revelation then, see. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person, you see that? The natural person does not, that's the soulish person, the sukikos, okay, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly, they're foolishness to him. And he's not even able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. That's why I always tell people, don't, you know, our battle's not against flesh and blood. Don't hate the sinner. They don't even have the ability yet to understand what you're talking about. It's foolishness to them. But when it says the natural man... It's talking about, there's that word again, sukikos, soulish, the natural man, the person that lives out of their emotions. They live out of what they can see, feel, hear, taste, and touch. They, they process with their mind, their logic. There's nothing, I'm not saying that that's always bad, because psychology in itself is not bad. The problem is, in, when you go to the original Greek and to learn to be a psychologist, and most do study the Greek because they want to really know, there's no words in there really for the spirit. It's all based on this, human personality. And it'll always point back to you instead of to God, you see? So we, why would we go there when we have something much better? We never, we, 
Yes, this illness has come against me, but by Jesus' stripes I was healed. Yes, my bank account shows a deficit, but my God shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory. You see, we never stop short of declaring the power and the truth of God's Word over that we speak life. You have the ability and the responsibility as ambassadors of Christ in this world to this sick and dying world to speak life and love and peace into every situation. And there's power in it. You really do have the authority. You are more than you think. And when you are weak, He is strong. So don't worry about your weaknesses, your infirmities, your the things that the world despises you for and thinks less of you for and doesn't put you uh, in the spotlight for. That's okay. Praise God for those things because then they have to recognize that it's God in you. They saw Peter and those disciples preaching boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were talking about all this wonderful revelation from God. And they recognized that, hey, they've been with Jesus. These uneducated men. There's a contrast. The one who's soulish or natural can't receive revelation from God. But the one who's spiritual naturally receives revelation from God. Hallelujah. Here's the point. The only safety for the human personality is for the soul to be in continual submission to the Spirit and in self-denial and yielded to God. And then there's safety and security. So going back to Paul's prayer where I started and I'm done right here. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 and I've read that scripture or quoted it to you um, maybe a thousand times. Today I'm going to give you a bonus. Because it's good news, folks. First Thessalonians 5.23 Paul is praying. And this is God's greatest will, desire for man. So be encouraged, okay? First Thessalonians 5.23 and 24. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Submit to God's order because He loves you and He knows what's best for you. He wants what's best for you. Do your best. Stay connected to God. Do your best to do your part with His help 
Because God is always faithful to do His part. He will finish what He has begun in you. And it's a good thing. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for loving us so much. We thank you for shining a light into this area that is sometimes hard to navigate, Lord. We don't want it to be difficult to understand. So I ask that you help everyone who hears this word, either that are here today or hears in the future, to have revelation, knowledge, understanding of this. If they need to be saved, help them to receive you right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. If they need to be filled with baptized with the Holy Spirit, help them to ask, seek, and knock. And you are happy, happy to give them this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. And help them to have revelation, knowledge, understanding of what's going on with them and this three-part being that they are, that they are redeemed, they're, they're renewed, perfected forever. One-third of their salvation is over. Their spirit is sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, incorruptible forever, and now they need to learn to draw from that well, straight from the heaven, your Holy Spirit, to their spirit, and from their spirit, which is always in agreement with you now, to their soulish realm their mind and will and emotions where they will only receive those things that are true from you and reject anything that doesn't add up with your truth found in your word and and agreed with by the Holy Spirit and then it will all manifest in their body. In Jesus' name we thank you Lord. Amen. Amen.